Hi, it's Jamie doing the edit. Here to let you know that uh, after a certain point, James disappears from this recording because they were abducted by aliens and or they had some kind of work emergency. You'd have to ask them which. So, now you know. Hello and welcome back to Podcasting is Praxis, a bonus episode, so hello patrons. Uh, we are here today with Rob. Hello. Jamie. You alright? James. Hello. And returning guests, Liam and Roz from Well There's a Problem. How are you doing? doing well. I'm doing pretty uh, good, how are you? Do you, yeah, I, as, as mentioned, I have a low-grade stomach virus, so I've just been pooping an awful lot. I mean, well, <laughs> Hello, it's behind a paywall, who gives a shit? I mean, bathroom <laughs> recordings you is what we do behind the paywall, that's, that's, that's true. Oh, God. I mean, the last I thing you were on, it was catching Rob taking a piss, so, I mean, it's only really <laughs> fair that we escalate that to the next level. Yeah, I, I mean, well, there's your problem, incorporates bathroom breaks. Because uh, I'm too lazy to say, don't worry about it, and I just slip out, take a <laughs> shit, get a beer, whatever. Yeah, I mean, fuck it, that's, that's the power of a union. This is true, yes. <laughs> also, it works out quite well, because we were, we were initially worried, because we were thinking, oh shit, well, we need to offer them the complimentary Nando's since they're coming to a UK podcast, but obviously we can't get one, because apparently chicken is something that the UK is not allowed to have right now. Um, but this, this happily solves that problem for us. We can well, get I mean, was... Nando's in DC. Uh, you can send us, the, you can send a gift card to the PO box. We'll, we'll take your free shit. We'll go, we'll go find the uh, nearest Nando's, which I'm sure is like I don't know. Um, it's in DC, bud. Is it in DC? It's in DC, bud. I, I didn't know there was a Nando's in DC. I thought There's it was a UK chain. Oh. I'm so sorry. No, the, yeah, your, our sympathies. You you have won the war of eighteen twelve. <laughs> <laughs> it's about fucking time. Okay, um, let's let's fucking just rattle into this because there's a lot to cover tonight. And yeah, um, there's a lot to cover. Uh, but, yeah. but speaking of animals, um, a sad sad update. It turns out that Geronimo the alpaca did not have TB. Probably. <laughs> So here's oh. a here's a question, Liam and Ross. Do you guys know about Geronimo the alpaca? <laughs> is this the is this the alpaca that was uh, executed by the state for the crime of being in the wrong place? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. unfortunately am familiar with the alpaca. Uh, yeah, and a new twist. Um, Keir Starmer has now advocated and supported the death of another innocent at the hands of the state. A worrying pattern. Um, but yeah this is after the jackbooted thugs of the state came to take our proud symbol of resistance away and by that I mean a alpaca surrounded by other people who'd gone mad about alpacas Um, but just this afternoon uh, team alpaca the owner and I don't know other alpaca fanatics uh, put out a press release that apparently the alpaca did not have um, TB in the autopsy so maybe Geronimo didn't need to be killed at all or did he 
We'll never know. Pose a threat to the uh, sovereignty of the United Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to do with this, except uh, it would have been funnier to keep the alpaca alive. Yeah, but the, uh, the tree of bureaucracy must be refreshed with the blood of domesticated camelids. <laughs> <laughs> just think of what uh, yeah, they would have... the United Kingdom, a country known for its liberty. Okay, boys. Just, just think of what they would have done to that alpaca if Corbin were in charge, though. Oh, Eating it. Eating it. <laughs> if you, if you want, we were... if you give me five minutes, I can go to the Times website and find out exactly what the <laughs> dark timeline of Corbyn would have said. I mean, I thought his campaign slogan of an alpaca in every pot was a bit strange, but, you know, it's fine. Mm. Right. Well, but it's just, it's just the one alpaca in a lot of pieces. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Everybody gets a couple of microns of alpaca. That's your meat ration in the Soviet republics of Corbynistan. Yeah, but you can grow a whole new alpaca from that. Yeah, you <laughs> just, what you do is you, whenever you cut an alpaca's head off body. to grow. It, it grows oh. into a beautiful alpaca tree. <laughs> but yeah, just imagine if Corbyn had won the election, we might have like, we might be suffering like a shortage of chicken or something right about now. <laughs> That'd be terrible. Or they wouldn't have had they wouldn't have had the gall to execute the alpaca, and alpacas would become an invasive species in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, apart from the the alpaca, there was one other thing, uh, one British thing here that I wanted to talk about, and then we'll do a bit more very international news. I think maybe the best way to call it um and that is there was some documents leaked last week about what will happen when uh elizabeth ii dies and there's oh i know the answer to this one it's um party and george squeal <laughs> <laughs> the entirety of glasgow starts to levitate off the ground yes no 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 no, no. strictly 50 percent of glasgow will levitate. <laughs> actually off the yes that's a, that's, a, that's a fair shout it becomes lopsided and flips over the whole city. <laughs> oh, Celtic, no! <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, I won't bore you with the whole thing. I just picked out some bits that I found amazing. Um, right after Elizabeth dies, uh, Charles, of course, becomes king. And the first thing that happens is his siblings must all kiss his hands to show that that's the sign that they, you know, acknowledge him as the monarch. What if they don't? What if they don't? What if they punch him? Then it's it's you know then we're back to the wars of the roses and then we'll just it'll be hell yeah. Again. See that sounds good, right? But one of the people involved in that with her side is going to be Andrew. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I guess I'll take Charles. That's fucking depressing. <laughs> I mean, there's also Edward, but Edward, but he was too stupid to run a uh, television production company despite being in the royal family. So I'm not sure if he's an improvement either. Uh, the other thing that I found was amazing is uh, that apparently within 10 minutes of the death of the Majesty uh, and the Ministry is receiving the code word, which is London Bridges Down, um, the flags all must be at half-mast. And there was a real concern there for a while whether or not the Ministries could actually manage this in under 10 minutes. And they seriously speculated whether or not they should bring in um, an external contractor, like a con flag <laughs> consultant, to make sure it got down. Can I just say that I really enjoy the phrase "death of the Majesty"? <laughs> what does she say? What does she care? She's dead. Death of the Majesty specifically describes that moment when you've come back in from a night out and you fall asleep using a kebab as a pillow. 
And apparently all the major television studios have like a genuine, I'm not sure if it's red, but it's like an almost like classic James Bond, you know, red phone, uh, which is the radio alert transmission system. And when uh, there's like lights in the studio as well, um, in every studio in uh, Great Britain, and when the news breaks, the lights start flashing in radio studios and TV studios and everywhere. And that means the DJs have to switch to the news in a couple of minutes. And that means immediately they have to switch to inoffensive music um every station down to hospital radio has prepared music lists made up of mood two brackets sad or mood one brackets saddest songs to reach for in time of southern morning hold on i want to i want to go back to this flag thing for a second are they they're outside contractors like who are they getting are they getting like f1 pit crews <laughs> you have to hope right yeah well i mean a lot of our like big outside contractors have gone bankrupt in the last couple of years so we may end up getting a pit crew and that's that's not exactly out of the question we'll get mckinsey in and charge you fuckers 10 billion pounds for the privilege exactly <laughs> but said one uh radio I'm sure, BBC um, radio i'm sure matt hancock's pub landlord knows how to lower a flag <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, said one uh, BBC radio producer, if you ever hear Haunted Dancehall brackets nursery remix by Sabres of Paradise on daytime radio on, that's when you know the monarch has died. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, so this is just like the whole, um, oh, they'll play, what was it fucking, was it Swan Lake or some shit was the thing where if that was yes. played in the Soviet Union, bad shit was fucking going on and you just went. Exactly. Just about yeah, it. that's Amazing. that's when you know you have to do- start doffing your cap, essentially. Fucking brilliant. I do kind of like the idea of playing, I don't know, No Children by the Mountain Goats. (laughs) (laughs) Be like, the queen is dead. You know, there is no sign of land. You are coming down with me. I don't know, man. What a a hell of a transition. They'll they'll do that. They'll do that when uh, when in uh, a, a, a month from now, when the United States defaults on its debt obligations, they'll play that. On all U.S. radio stations. Oh well, it's sure. like when, when um, Nash Philip died, and and there was the um, BBC radio fucking radio one dance anthems or some shit was on, and that sounded like this. Uh, oh fuck! Oh, I've lost the button. <laughs> 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 Buckingham Palace has announced the death of His Royal Highness the Duke of Edinburgh. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never fucking tire of that. (laughs) That's a banging track as well. That's pretty good. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, sadly for all of us plebs, there will, it turns out, not be a national holiday on the day of the funeral. So... If you're in Nando's, uh, you know, you'll still have to go to work, despite there being no queen and no chicken. I love that even the queen fucking dying doesn't warrant a day off of the drudgery of work. No, of course not. That's well, not what, what you would have is... wanted. You have, to work, you have to work harder in her honor. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Boo. It's actually, actually a double shift day. I mean, who who's going to lower all those flags if everyone gets a day off, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Deeply diseased country. Yes, incredibly. Yeah. 
Well, what I mean, and, and also fun? not at all a, a racist one, because apparently all the European royal families that will come for the funeral, they will all be put up at Buckingham Palace, or other royals, non-European ones, will have to stay in a hotel nearby. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I mean, a nice yeah, hotel. They're all they're all family, man. You don't you don't you don't turn your back on family. <laughs> what I want to know is uh, what what happens with Meghan and Harry in that event? They get the travel lodge. <laughs> I'm mildly obsessed with the 10 minutes to like lower the flags thing it's it's completely <laughs> insane picturing like what an happened? action movie where they, they get to like yeah. 9 minutes and they have to scramble the red arrows to just fly through the flagpoles or something <laughs> fuck that's what you have to get you have to get Jason Statham to do it all in under 10 minutes where it's hot yeah, like what what happens if there is a flag that they find out is not lowered? Like, do they have to like? Uh, well, do they? She is, comes is, back to life. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> no, but this is this is the thing about Britain that they can't find anyone to lower the flags in ten minutes, but they absolutely will be able to find someone to time it to make sure it's down in ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's yes. <laughs> and just to you know, during the whole thing, obviously. Um, D-Day is when the Majesty dies, and D plus one is when Charles is formally crowned and installed as the new king. You know, long live the king. Um, and That's like an apparently- alternative history or something, and the D-Day is when she dies trying to storm Idaho <laughs> Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Machine gunned in a prime. <laughs> Liz, no! So yeah, he will... Um, and modern democracy time he will then at some point um step outside on the eastern balcony uh of buckingham palace at friars court and the roof outside will be covered in red felt after charles the third now has is he spoken, trying to activate is he trying to activate some kind of cheat code almost <laughs> it's, it, pretty much after charles the the, now code. the third after charles now the third has spoken trumpeters from the lifeguards wearing red plumes in their helmets will step outside what? give three blasts and the garter king of arms a genealogist genealogist thomas woodcock will stand on the balcony and begin the ritual proclamations of king charles the third and that's how you access this how are level. you a real how are you a nuclear power <laughs> right Sincerely, talk, by the benefit of you yeah real talk you guys own our nukes we're not like there, there is considerable debate about whether if britain wanted to fire the nukes and it is, the it u.s is, didn't want us to whether we actually could it's the most american thing ever though to let your children play with dangerous toys i think so <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's that's more like uh just not buying a gun safe for your uh collection of firearms yeah. uh, <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's surely it's granny should be armed, which feels very American. But yeah, mm. for the for, for the did Scottish we at least take the... you guys to the range once or twice? You know, just to learn some gun safety. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're probably obligated to do that. I think the only time I mean, what, shot, is that what only... Afghanistan was, or <laughs> I think Sorry, the only times I uh, I shot guns when I was drunk out of my mind in uh, in the middle of the woods in Kentucky. That was a really good time, actually. I could see why you all love guns so much. See? Yeah. Cool. they're fun the, the guns are fun they're fun they to are? shoot the gun it's fun <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but yeah for the nukes are better because you can use them in rescue true. missions <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, among for the Scottish among us, uh, you'll be happy to know that oh. among the first proclamation of King Charles III uh, will be that he respects the Scottish people and specifically Scottish Presbyterianism. That is in the oath, first oath <laughs> any new majesty must take. <laughs> oh, good. Well, that feels great. That's, that's excellent. I feel reassured, don't you, David? I do. I'm so glad that he's pledging allegiance to Ibrooks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, meanwhile, between uh, the day, between D-Day and on D plus 10, that's when uh, she's buried. But in, so on the day beforehand, the Queen's 10 pallbearers will be chosen and they will practice carrying the royal coffin out of sight in a barrack somewhere. British royals are buried in lead-lined coffins. Diana's... <laughs> 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 oh, sweet are you? Shot just in case. <laughs> That's that's what that's what happened. Just in case if they don't get all the flags down and she starts emitting radiation. <laughs> you have that's angered you knew, the dead uh, yeah, queen. You know a new royal has been chosen because of the Cherenkov radiation coming out of the chimney in the back. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, I like, I like uh, that the pallbearers the pallbearers need to practice. They couldn't just pick ten pallbearers. You know what uh, I mean? well, like ten, just ten random people chosen by lottery. You ever carry just don't them? drop it. Just don't <laughs> drop it. Well, I mean, the dropping it is not entirely out of the question because apparently Diana's coffin weighed uh, more than a quarter of a ton. So that's too they, much. They need they need it's the extra box. time. They need the extra trying to fly in the guys from Ghana. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, the, so, the, hang on, the hang coffin, on, Rob, Rob, yeah. Rob. Why Why is their coffin actually meant to be lead-lined? Is there an actual reason? I don't know. I wish I knew the answer to this question, but I don't Ceremonial know. heaviness. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it, it makes it more of a burden for the subjects who must uh, carry it. I mean, it might, it might just be like an honorific for like Henry VIII and George III, who were all like hugely fat, and you don't want to embarrass them after they died, so that's why all the coffins must be heavy now. <laughs> it's to symbolize their actual levels of riches, which is why they choose lead. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently also the coffins must have a false lid in order to hold the crown jewels. And the rim of the false lid what? must be at least three inches high. Because we park the for nine and a half days, we park the crown jewels in the coffin. And then we take them out and put them in the hands of the next guy. Oh, is that so they can like absorb a soul or something? Yeah, the that's that's the radiation. Yeah. Uh, if we irritate the crown jewels, then nobody will steal them. <laughs> um, Actually, yeah, that said... sounds like a kind of Tony Blair era anti-theft policy. Just irradiate all the things that like are important to society. Uh, yeah. What was what? Were and those we can catch people to... using fucking Geiger counters. What were those things <laughs> they used to put outside shops to deter teenagers? Oh, the one mosquito alarm. Yeah, mosquito right on the top of the coffin. Emit <laughs> <laughs> the high-pitched noise to chase away children. It might attract a very legal man. <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> well, there's our first cut of the episode. <laughs> oh, Second, Do you want me to say that joke? Just, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I live in America. <laughs> uh, no, right, no, no, no shit. Since we're off topic a second, I actually did consult legal advice to see whether we could get around this using you guys, and the answer was no, because it's still published in the UK. Otherwise, I would have absolutely been down for it. So, sorry to disappoint. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's... I appreciate that you, uh... 
made a lawyer look up the answer to that question. <laughs> no, do you know the sad thing is he didn't even have to look it up. I just heard a sigh on the other end, and that was that. <laughs> But yeah, said one uh, former official, palace official, there will be no concession to modernity in any of this. There will be cocked hats and horses everywhere. So it really will be, which is going to be doing the only thing that Britain is still good at, which is pageantry with horses taking your shit. Well, I'm looking forward to the security services defending this with muskets then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I say with horses, there's actually one thing that won't be done by horses, which is... Once the coffin comes out of the cathedral and goes to the actual burial site, it's not drawn by horses anymore. It's drawn by 192 sailors. What? Why? (laughs) (laughs) What? Just you already have the horses. That doesn't make any sense. That's bad resource allocation. Yeah, you need to use the horses as beasts of burden. It's not the people. You have to pay the people. No, 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 express no, 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 this is Britain. It's Britain. <laughs> <laughs> the entire no, the point reason... of this is to demonstrate chosen austerity. The, the, the reason we use sailors instead of horses on the exit is that um, I think at the burial of either Victoria or Prince Albert, um, oh. once the, the horses ran out of control and almost like barreled the coffin into a crowd, until like a group <laughs> oh, of sailors... Oh, that was like sick! <laughs> <laughs> And apparently, like, a group of uh, sailors jumped in at the last moment and, like, pulled the coffin through London to its final destination. And that's why still 192 sailors pull the Majesty's coffin through the streets of London. (laughs) This is the really funny thing about all, like, royal and military traditions in Britain. Every single one of them is the repetition of an almost complete fuck-up that was just saved. That's the yeah, only time things change. It, it's really strong. I, I meant to do that kind of energy. It, it runs through all of the pageantry. <laughs> no, but apparently it, this is quite like... counter-historical because there were a couple of funerals it mentioned in the article I read for this that, like, it's not Victoria, but one of her brothers or something or other. It's, it's in that time that uh, some foreign dignitaries wrote that the undertakers at the funeral were drunk out of their fucking minds and, like, fumbled everything up. So at these royal funerals where, like, the courts of Europe were present, everybody was like these British people cannot fucking organize a funeral to save their lives. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever think that Britain's anti-communism bent it basically got started because they said under no circumstances can we allow Marxism to be involved in the funeral and people really <laughs> misunderstood it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it strikes me that all of these ancient traditions are like only... A couple hundred years old at best. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's only been done. Feels a like it's times. cheating a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's like no concession to modernity. Well, you should at least be replicating stuff from before like fifteen hundred. Then come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the fact that you weren't a country yet doesn't mean that we can't put on absurd hats from two thousand years ago and sing in a language nobody understands. It's you know, it's not our problem. What British? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, should of you course... be speaking French in that case you know <laughs> um, but of course the main thing that will happen and that's something if they really want to if they really want to embrace like ancient tradition they should just bury her under a giant pyramid at the London resort <laughs> <laughs> which would admittedly be pretty sick that would be amazing 
I would buy a ticket that would, for that. That would be a reason. Yeah, that would be a reason to make it an actual tourist destination <laughs> rather than this sad also ran Disney that it looks destined to be. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be it's going to be Do some like weird a... Lennon's Lennon's casket shit. Just just embrace <laughs> it, you fucking freaks. Put put her in the O2. Yeah! <laughs> what else are they going to use it for? Boom, mausoleum. Well, what, are they, what are they using it for currently? It's it was a sailing center. It was oh, a is it an abseiling thing now? It was yeah, you a can abseil off it. It was a Nightingale hospital, wasn't it? Oh, like Nightingale a temporary hospital. COVID, COVID hospital, Oh, yeah, that's right. There was, there was a bunch of empty beds in it for a while. Um, yeah, because yes. no Nightingale hospitals actually got used. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, if, if the empty beds are still in there, it can, they can use it as studio Genius country. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the main thing that, of course, will happen, apart from all this pageantry business, is the total and hysterical breakdown of the British nation. And that will be a sight to see for everybody. Oh, I'm excited to, I'm excited, to see yeah. the to to go on Twitter the day of. Those are going to be some not soon forgotten posts. <laughs> genuinely, yeah. genuinely, we were talking about this the other day, and we wouldn't be surprised if they turned off the internet for the day. Like that, <laughs> that's possibly no, the like, only way. You are not in children, it. and you cannot mourn like this. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean. It is just going to be like the entire, like, well, like 50% of the nation at least is going to be like mad red nude online, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And the other 50% is going to be trying to make an appointment with a tattooist to get God Save the Queen updated. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, apparently uh, already all the government ministries have been said that they're not allowed to tweet anything that's not approved by their government head of communications during the morning period. And they must put all all the banners on their Twitter pages must go to black, and they may only wear like the crown emblem of the ministry as their um, avatar, and nothing else. So that's all sorted out. See, it's all being done to tradition. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have uh, you know heartfelt messages mourning the queen instead of uh, updates uh, on the status of the Northern Line, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, the last time good. when Prince Philip died, they yeah. just changed all of the timetables to like this really weird grayscale that nobody could read. There's some text on a grey background. Well done, guys. <laughs> I mean, London turned into City 17 for Prince Philip dying, so I can only imagine what's going to happen to it when the Queen dies. Yeah. It's going to be some like fucking fallen London dragged into hell kind of shit, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, Butler's going to show up for some reason. Yeah, it's going to get real weird. The, the, the question is: the question is, can they turn off the internet before Ricey and Gibble announce a death over Snapchat? <laughs> 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 but yeah, the estimate is that there'll be so many people in London for the funeral that it will be like the city will be officially full. I don't know what that means, but like. They'll they'll literally pack out London to the rafters. Like there'll be no more space for anybody. That's the the expectation. Fuck! I love a super spreader event. Oh yeah. yeah. They'll have to uh, they'll have to close oh, all the tasty. gates. They did keep the gates right for tradition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You better fucking hope they kept the gates there. <laughs> I don't actually know. I know some of the, some of the wall is still there for like the actual city of London, but like. Moving swiftly along. Moving swiftly along from the ridiculous of the past to the ridiculous of the future. I thought we 
burst into our main topic of the uh, evening. Oh, no. I've, <laughs> I've read I've read two things, and I want want to present them as a um, a contrast, if you will, a compare and contrast on the issue, the pressing issue of seasteading. <sighs> oh yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Are we talking about international some waters? Of stuff. Yes, we are we spending are. the rest of this episode talking about international waters. <laughs> I thought oh, you were no, saying we were right. going to. Spe- s- we were spending the rest of this episode in international waters. I was like, when the boat? When is the boat picking me up? Yeah, wait, we <laughs> got to get down to the school goal real fucking quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to, if you pick up anything from the rest of this episode, it's please don't go on board when libertarians are around because nothing good will happen. Uh, no. <laughs> Safe advice for all seasons. Can I just check? We're obviously talking about international wa- uh, waters. How many jokes about Jeffrey Epstein, Prince Andrew, and others are coming down the pipeline because I, of I this? I haven't got any prepared. I mean, I can't control the rest of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think at some point someone's probably going to say something like the HMS, technically it's a febophilia. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is this half of this story does involve a boat. Um, so I uh, read. No. So I read two things. One thing is absolutely brilliant. Uh, it's an article by Sophie Elmhurst in The Guardian called The Disastrous Voyage of the MS Satoshi, the world's first cryptocurrency cruise ship, which is... <laughs> the fucking what now? <laughs> no, it isn't. No, it isn't. Shut up. Is it, what, what makes it... it, is the, is, does what? it mine on board? Do they mine Bitcoin on board? Yes. Do they at least you like use some sort of cogen system to reuse the waste heat to power the boat? Uh, probably not. No. Um, okay. Anyway, but all, <laughs> all shall be revealed within the article. Because the other thing that I read, because that's the practical side of being a libertarian on the high seas. The other thing I read, it's much less good, but much even funnier, I think, is a book called Seasteading. How floating nations will restore the environment, enrich the poor, cure the sick, what? and liberate humanity from politicians. <laughs> All right, Peter Thiel, calm your okay. ass down. Uh, this is by a guy called Joe Quirk. Q U I R K. Our real name. Yes, that's true. I wonder what his quirk is. <laughs> you don't want to know. Only has Technically, one. it's a febophilia, uh, and the co-author is a guy called Patry Friedman. Um, and if you th- if you think, oh, I know that name, Patry Friedman, you would be correct because he is the grandson of Milton Friedman. Oh, of course he fucking oh. is. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, fuck off. So yeah, just to set the scene a bit, I'll read you the opening two paragraphs from the very good article. You don't have to. You don't have to. No, unfortunately. Oh, no. Um, no, this is the thing with Rob, he does have to. This is a, a horrible compulsion. <laughs> uh, one, one evening in 2010, in a hushed San Francisco auditorium, former Google engineer Patrick Friedman sketched out the future of humanity. The event was hosted by the Peter Thiel Foundation, to, which, def- See? Told you. which defends and promotes freedom <laughs> in all dimensions. From behind a large lectern, Friedman, grandson of Milton Friedman, laid out his plan. He wanted to transform and how and where we live, to abandon life on land and all our decrepit assumptions of the nature of society. He wanted, quite simply, to start a new city in the middle of the ocean. He called it seasteading, homesteading on the high seas, a phrase borrowed from a software engineer with whom he had founded the Seasteading Institute in 2008. 
uh, the, helped by a $500,000 donation from Peter Thiel in a four-minute vision dump. <laughs> please, oh, what? please, I need you to stop <clears throat> saying Peter Thiel that way. It sounds too much like a <laughs> I heard the phrase, was about vision to say, yeah. dump. <laughs> Technically, he's a FIBA Thiel. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> in a, in a four-minute vision dump, Friedman explained his rationale why, he asked, in one of the most advanced countries in the world, were they, were they still using systems of government from 1787? If you drove a car from 1787, it would be a, jo- it would be a horse, he quipped. Okay. Well, I, when I think of... Uh... When I think of uh, really modern institutions with, that are all very up to date and have no references to tradition, what I think is um, sailing on the high seas. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's think of government as an industry where countries are firms and citizens are customers. He declared, "The worst." Oh, no, let's not do that. The worst performing industries kill their own customers and lose trillions. So the idea is, how do you get away from governments? That's simple. Go to sea where there are no governments. <laughs> Quote Patrick Friedman, let a thousand nations bloom on the high seas. For fuck's sake. Jesus wept. Oh. All, flagged is, under, is... all flagged under Libya. Yeah, poor Panama. <laughs> Take it back. Libya and Panama will be returning in this article. <laughs> This is slightly <laughs> less stupid than going into space to escape government, I guess, but only marginally well. so. <laughs> so uh, what I'll do is, like, for the rest of uh, today's podcast, like, I'll tell you a bit about some of the shit, the weird ideas in the book, and compare and contrast them with the reality of, of what happened when a cryptocurrency cruise liner based on libertarian principles tried to set sail uh, and park itself in international waters just outside Panama. <laughs> <laughs> So a little bit of theory first. Uh, The fundamental idea behind seasteading is that you need to do it because um, all the land, the physical land has been colonized. So you can never create a totally new nation on Earth because countries exist. So therefore, if you want to build a new country based on pure libertarianism, you have to go out to sea. Is this why Quincy lived on a boat? I (laughs) don't know. I have no idea which one's Quincy. I'll never mind them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. First failure of the evening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not so bad, really. Yeah. yeah watch we're, more, we're, watch we're, more daytime TV, mate. Fucking hell. Yeah. We're, we're we're forty minutes in before we had a before we had a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot better than our podcast does. Yeah. <laughs> the problem the problem there is Rob's terminally Dutch and they, they don't watch Quincy. It's too wholesome for the Dutch. <laughs> 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 Unless it has a nonce postman, I'm just really not interested. This is true. Uh, yeah. Um, so the concept of a seastead community in the in the libertarian book that I read uh, opens it as such: What if the way to decrease ocean pollution is to increase ocean population? The way to decrease um, the number of wars is to uh, increase no, the number no, of countries. No. No. The to, no. The way to discover political <laughs> solutions is to empower your political enemies. No. What? no. What if we won't need <laughs> to fight? Has anyone not? Has no. anyone actually measured the effect that, like, it would have on climate change if the ocean was full of idiot no. skeletons? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Maybe they might be onto something. <laughs> we're going we're to take these cruise ships. We're going to fill them up with all the idiots and a whole bunch of bunker sea oil. And then we're going to sail them out to the ocean and then they'll sink. Well, that is pretty close to seasteading. Um, yeah. <laughs> what if we won't need to fight when we can float? What if it's easier to Fuck float? Fuck off. What if it's easier to float than to fly? <laughs> what if I... we built civilization in the wrong place? <laughs> and what if you could create your own micro country? I know that they. I'm going to become the fucking that. Joker. <laughs> <laughs> I know that they mean that as if, like, well, we've built civilization, but what if we did that in the wrong place? But I just, I took it as a hypothetical. Like, what if we built a civilization, but in the wrong place? Like, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> It feels like they're attempting the human instrumentality project with, like, the International Waters Scrolls rather than the Dead Sea Scrolls. <laughs> I mean, I like the I like the idea of, like, being getting a time machine and getting really angry at that one fish that came out of the water. It's like, no, go back. You're in the right place. Go what back. are you doing? <laughs> go back. No, bad. You got to spritz it with the water bottle. Like so let me present you, in a nutshell, their uh, their vision of the future. Let me read you a little bit. Imagine 10,000 homesteads on the sea, seasteads, where ocean pioneers will be free to experiment with new societies. Aquatic citizens mm. could live in modular pods that can detach at any time and sail to join another floating city, compelling ocean governments to compete for mobile citizens like co companies compete for consumers. A market of competing governments, a Silicon Valley of the sea, would allow for the best government to emerge peacefully, unleashing unimaginable progress at a rate which would generate solutions to the oldest social problem. How do we get along? By such means, an economic and moral argument could become a technological experiment. Okay, but when they talk about competition, I'm picturing just like getting a, a like a pirate galleon and just cannon them, cannoning <laughs> the fuck out of them. Absolutely. Well, later on in the book, oh wait, well we can do this now. Later on in the book, there's a Q and A session uh, which addresses some of oh. the issues. Um, does, one it, of the, does it have a Does it have a question? What if a pirate galleon turns? It up? does actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't mention the word galleon. It does say, yeah, but what about sea pirates? Um, to which the answer of the libertarians is, well, only 2% of the world's sea lanes are infested with pirates at the moment, mainly off the coast of uh, Yeah, at Somalia. the moment. But at the moment, yeah. Uh... Think of all that Bitcoin you could steal. I was about to say, uh, I mean, you could probably form a whole government around piracy. There was an old Doctor Who about this, in fact. Uh... But yeah, there's a, the, the great answer to this is, yeah, there might be pirates, but the, the UK, the US and other nations patrol the sea lanes of the, uh, outside Somalia to keep it safe. So words can oh. assume that those boats will also protect our floating cities. Otherwise, literally, um, the, <laughs> the, the, the end of this little Q&A bit literally says, don't park in a bad neighborhood. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, <we> noted. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Problem solved. <laughs> in this primal soup of societies, we would have variation by government and selection by citizens. Variation and selection, the same magic recipe that drives rapid progression in ecology, technology, markets, and science. Market competition among seasteads could bring about... Fuck off! Could bring about <laughs> what Patrick Friedman calls a Cambrian explosion of governments. <laughs> Oh, my God. I thought these libertarian people hated governments. Now they just want to infest the world with them. 
Yeah, but if, yeah. They're, if they're uwu small bean governments, it's all right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In a floating city, there will be no need for demolition, a Dutch aquatect uh, explains. You aquatect? Can... <laughs> <laughs> you can detach components and rearrange them to form new neighborhoods, creating dynamic urban development. Water-based districts can adjust to new needs at fluid rates unimaginable in land-based cities. Aquatech sounds like something I would put on my CV if I'd spent the day making sandcastles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. The, the, the community of people that is uh, around this and like is offering services in the world of seasteading call themselves aquapreneurs, which I think maybe... You should. Oh, it's not pedacophiles. Yeah, no like way! That. Don't... <laughs> Couldn't quite make it as a shipwright, so I called myself an aquatech. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never made any ships. Why do you ask? <laughs> uh, so he'll, he, this is Patrick Friedman to- talking a little bit about uh, the startup country that needs to be born at, at the Libertarian Conference. Uh, we need startup country. Fucking hell. We need, uh, we need a new <laughs> physical country, a new frontier. The next frontier is the ocean. With a little techno, in, with a little technological innovation, in ten years these things will exist on a ship. In two or three decades, they'll exist on oil platforms. In five decades, there will be floating islands. Humanity okay. needs seasteading, and seasteading needs you. <laughs> but we already have we already have one on an oil platform, don't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah famously, yeah. we mastered ships many decades ago. <laughs> yeah, we still have. Yes. <laughs> And wonderfully, because the whole idea is, and this is where we're going to go back into the article, the whole idea is that the first of these seasteads would be built on like X cruise liners. And that is um, what happened. So <laughs> all this- I think we've solved, we finally solved the mystery of why there was a cruise ship in that fucking film from the other <laughs> Oh, episode. no, no, no. We are not talking <laughs> about that fucking film again. No. <laughs> They um, f- famously seaworthy vessels, uh, cruise ships, uh, <laughs> yeah. very very good offshore uh, and in open seas. Uh, never had a problem there. So no, never. Well. Especially famously. if you if you fill them with Bitcoin miners. Like are they why the ocean like temperatures rising faster than we expected? <laughs> it's just boiling the ocean around it. <laughs> so all of this like this pirates now... can't. It's pirate proof because they can't find it in the huge cloud of steam that emits. <laughs> <laughs> So now we're going back to to the article where all this theory takes physical shape with the uh, MS Satoshi, a 245-meter-long cruise ship previously called the Pacific Dawn and bought by three seasteading acolytes. Uh, Grant Romand, who made his money from Schedule Box, an an app for hairdressing appointments. Uh, Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Rudiger Koch, a German engineer with a lot of Bitcoin, and a guy called Chad Elwartowski, who's a big guy in libertarian circles. (laughs) Also, (laughs) pretty big wheel down at the completely legal factory. There's also a Dutch aquatect involved called Koen Oldhuis. Um, who had a lot of fun uh, design ideas. Uh, we had this funny idea, the aquatech told me. In his scheme, the Satoshi would connect via two looping tunnels on the water to human-made floating platforms designated for agriculture, manufacturing, and parkland, 
From the air, the whole community would sh- form the shape of a Bitcoin bee. Oh Jesus! I just, I just, I just dropped a it's picture. It's better than what I thought it was going to be, which was just uh, a whole, a whole community that spells out, "No, it's not pedophilia." The age of consent is an unjustified <laughs> law, and furthermore, in this essay, I will. <laughs> I just posted a picture of the boat yes, in the chat. That is it. And it's, yep. it's very, very sad looking. Um, yeah. Definitely, definitely could use a, a, a lick of paint. Um. Uh, El, El Watowski, by the way, this is not his first attempt at building a seastead. He'd done it once before, and let me quote again from the article. An initial in, uh, attempt involved a single residential seastead off the coast of Thailand, where El Watowski and his girlfriend actually lived for two months, until the Thai government discovered its existent, existence and declared it a threat to the country's independence, possibly punishable <laughs> by imprisonment or death. El Watowski and his girlfriend Summer Girl had to flee the country before the Thai Navy dispatched three ships to dismantle the floating box. (laughs) Jesus fuck, dude. Uh, There's so many bits of that I just have issues with. (laughs) (laughs) Summer Girl? (coughs) Yes. Is is that a title? No, that's her actual name. (laughs) Oh, I see. Okay. Oh wow. boy, that's what we're dealing with. Get all is it? Okay. <laughs> it's completely legal in international waters. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, so because you're all accessories too. I'm just reminded of that time when uh, what you call the guy that played Chachi on Happy Days, Scott Bale, when he did like people were accusing him of nonsense on Twitter, and he did the tweet about the time he met his wife, and then in brackets, legal age. <laughs> <laughs> this is a whole. This whole seasteading uh, is um, the whole seasteading thing is basically the same as uh, you know the implication from yeah. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, the master plan of, uh, this is again from the article from the Bitcoin cruise liner, was to buy the boat, sail it to Panama, park it inside its coastal waters, but off the coast, and do everything on board, all transactions, including food and everything, with crypto. Um, This would, of course, provide freedom from convention, regulations, and obviously taxation. That would just well, better be... provided than freedom from convention. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, that, obviously, there would be a whole lot of freedom uh, everywhere, and this would only. Yes. So essentially, the reason they were able to buy this boat is because the entire cruise line had totally collapsed during uh, the Corona pandemic. So the ships were going cheap, cheap, cheap. Uh, the the ship, the ship. Uh, was originally built for 280 million US dollar, but sold to the Bitcoin 3 out for 9.5 million, which I think you'll agree is a quite steal. a bargain. Yeah. Well, that's, that's actually just because over the process of the Bitcoin transaction that they bought it, Bitcoin crashed by a huge amount. <laughs> <laughs> bad, bad deal for P&O Cruises there, but oh, oh well. <laughs> Now, the, the weird thing is the, the Panamanian government wasn't exactly opposed to this. They actually thought it might be a good idea um, and had given it like preliminary permission. Okay, but they're fucking Panama. What do they know? Yeah, <laughs> it, no, you idiots. No, well, they don't they know knows. that much because they put this permission for the ship to be parked off the coast under its 
uh, sustainable tourism master plan. So I have my <laughs> doubts. <laughs> mm. Well, they're going to yeah. get other people to come and take diving tours of the wreck. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thought process was probably like, hmm, that's a boat. We're a flag of convenience. Okay. Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it. So the first thing these guys do, of course, is uh, they start a Reddit Q&A. Hi, we just bought a cruise. <laughs> <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's uh, if if it, this had happened ten years earlier, it would have been a it would have been a goon project. I mean, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Groverstead. <laughs> Is that ship long enough that you could put a zip line on at the turn? Um, Use it for the disposal of evidence. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the, during the Q&A, they get into some of the more practical things about running a uh, crypto Bitcoin cruise liner. Uh, the first question is naturally, where the fuck's the energy coming from to power not just the ship, but also all the Bitcoin mining rigs? Um, they First, they say we would do it with generators based on land and run a cable out to the ship. Um, and that would just power we'll it. We'll do what now? Um, just put a bunch of generators on land, run a cable under the water, and then plug it into the ship. And then, All right. Um, you know what? Why the fuck not? Yeah, just stringing a, bunch of, stringing a bunch of four-way plugs, like, out into the ocean. Hold <laughs> <laughs> on. I got to go down to the Home Depot, get a couple extension cords. Everything about this is already so goddamn cursed. <laughs> But that would only be stage one because afterwards they would install enough solar panels on the cruise liner to make it an uh, eco-friendly Bitcoin mining cruise liner. What? <laughs> right, so we need to install this. enough solar power capacity for the ship, which is already pretty pretty difficult, I pretty would guess. But, yeah. then, but then we yeah, also I need to install 50 times that much to run the uh, graphics cards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would, I would have to imagine that if it was, if it was an easy task to like run a ship on solar power, they would do that. You know well, what I mean? mean? Like, I, yes. I, I do want to make sure that you understand that the the three Bitcoin uh, cruise line directors also specified that all Bitcoin rigs would need to be in your cabin. Oh my! Oh, well, God. that is the heating problem solved. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, there's one company that makes electric boats. It's called General Dynamics Electric Boat. The type of electric boat it, boat it makes is runs on nuclear power. So, you know, that's what these guys do. Have to do. Well. I yeah. mean, the second need after power is, of course, internet connectivity. Uh, which of the thing course... is, the thing is, like governments, world governments are jealously hoarding like all the nuclear power and won't let three idiots with a boat have any, <laughs> <laughs> presumably because of the implication. Yes. <laughs> Once you're in international waters, you can do anything with a nuclear reactor. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they just need to they need to get it out there with some diesel generators to start, and well, then. There, nothing, I'm sure it's not too hard to build one at sea. Well, I mean, um, the, the mega law that governs uh, the high seas is the UN Convention on the Laws of the Sea, and that doesn't say anything about nuclear reactors, so you're good. Exactly. So, you know, all good. Uh, internet, by the way, of course. Yeah, there's, to... nothing, there's nothing, in the, nothing about it in the pirate's code either. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably, 
if you you get a letter of mark from some country that you know <laughs> doesn't really doesn't really mm-hmm. give a shit, Panama, and then you could seize a <laughs> nuclear reactor from a U.S. Navy vessel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, yeah. I'm just picturing these clowns docking for supplies, and they all come off the boat, glowing like LeChuck from Monkey Island. <laughs> uh, yeah, so internet would f- at first be um, through a cable, also just connected to the shoreline, um, <laughs> run ten miles out to sea or something. Yeah, just a, <laughs> the world's longest Cat Five. <laughs> they need they, they what they need to do is rebuild the Great Eastern. To just lay the cable behind them as they go. Uh, and internet would be free-for-all at first for the first couple of months, but then would be meted afterwards because, of course, if you're a libertarian, you don't want to pay for other people's, people's crypto rig and crypto crash. Oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The amazing thing was then the attention to the, the thorny question of how are you going to eat? Um, due to safety on board, no microwaves were al- are allowed in any room, so all cooking had to be done in the ship's single restaurant. But don't worry, they worked it out. Parts of the kitchen would be rented out so people could cook individual meals. Foxy. Good Lord. Oh. So in case you were wondering how much it would cost you to be on this amazing, uh, on the Bitcoin cruise liner, the MS Satoshi, um, a no windows cabin on the interior of the ship would cost you a measly 570 uh, US dollar a month. Um, to the most luxurious, expensive option, which the which would have a balcony, and that would be yours for seven hundred and nineteen dollars a month. I'm very surprised like that the no windows cabin costs less than the one with windows. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I would I just look personally. I would look forward to running my Bitcoin rig inside my no windows cabin in the God. inside of a cruise liner. I think that would just be that's really a great idea. Fun. Now, this is my my question is my question is. I thought this was a Bitcoin ship. Why is it not denominated in Bitcoins? It's a good question. That's a good question, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they did say they would accept all major coins, essentially. Like, you could pay with 10 or 12 different coins, and, like, how you would exchange the one for the other is probably a question best not worth considering. Yeah, you uh, can, pay, you can pay for everything with crypto, but they have to price it in, like, a currency that doesn't go up and down constantly. So, so they've admitted, <laughs> they've admitted that, uh, they've admitted the uh, superiority of dirty fiat currency then. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, and in case you, you wanted to take a pet, uh, that would be possible, but it also caused a multi, multi, multi-page car crash uh, on Reddit, uh, leading to <laughs> the three founders grading a two-page official document uh, with pet rules, such as they can weigh no more than 20 pounds, they may, no lo- they may bark no longer than 10 minutes at a go, and infractions, either three times bark a month of more than 10 minutes of barking or more than five a year, uh, the pet would be expelled. That doesn't uh, sound very libertarian to me. Yeah, I was about no, to no, say. That just sounds like an HOA. They're just I'm, trying yeah. to, they're, they're trying to keep alpacas out. <laughs> I'm just I'm just picturing everyone trying to train their dog to bark for nine minutes and fifty five seconds. And no yeah, what's the uh, interval between do- barking sessions? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh throwing dog poo overboard, by the way, would also incur a two hundred dollar fine. Stop fighting me. What? <laughs> yeah, it's very libertarian. Um that's because essentially you sign up to all this voluntarily as part of a big social contract. So if you sign up to it voluntarily as part of a contract, you're fine because you know what you're getting yourself into. 
on the Bitcoin mining ship. Um, do you so know this? Yeah. Do you do do you know what you're getting yourself into in the Bitcoin mining ship? <laughs> Probably you do not, because yeah, as the rest yes, of the because... article will make very clear, the three founders of the Bitcoin mining ship also didn't know what they were getting themselves into. Oh no. Um. I keep hearing, I keep hearing on the Bitcoin mining ship to the tune mm-hmm. of on the good ship lollipop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but let's let's leave the ship behind and let's venture once more into uh, more theoretical approaches to seasteading on the high seas. Uh, one of the things that was proposed was to uh, build a, which is something that's being developed by Japanese uh, Bitcoin enthusiasts and uh, seasteaders, is a, th- a thing called a green float, which is a giant floating arcology. Uh, oh. A thousand meter high skyscraper made of magnesium, oh, um, <laughs> which would rest on a giant lily pad platform, which could, would contain the forest, the cattle, the manufacturing facilities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, to supposedly, they'll have built two of these things in Tokyo Bay um, by 2025. No, they won't. I looked. I didn't see a single construction sign anywhere, so I'm not sure that's happening. But mm-hmm. I do have a brief design spec for you, a nice picture, which I will put in the chat for you and which you can find on the YouTube, uh, dear listener. No, no we, looks... don't do, we don't do YouTube versions of the Patreon episodes. Oh, okay, well, then you just have to imagine it. Don't fuck yourself. <laughs> Check the Discord. I like we'll how post they have, it in the Discord. Uh, this is our plant factory, they call it. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not usually yeah. how I term that. I would call it a farm. Yeah. <laughs> not, not really. No, the, the, the plants are specific for um, like generating oxygen and like doing different things. The natural farms, as you can see, are on the lily pad. Um, uh, this is a vi- audio medium, of course, but the, the design of this is a big floating lily uh, about 3,000 meters wide with... Um, sort of a big flower sticking out the top of it. The stem being the plant factory and the flower itself is the city in the sky. And what does it look like from above? Is it like the Reddit logo or something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm no maritime engineer, but one thing I'm looking at this and as I'm seeing, it's very top heavy. Um, I, it which is I, quite top heavy, yes. I understand is not good in boats because they can flip over. I would imagine well, those spikes things... are possibly like lead lined and full of dead monarchs or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, these things are designed to be placed in coastal waters and specifically and only coastal waters around the equator because there are less hurricanes there uh-huh. and less uh-huh. tsunamis because of, I don't know, oceanographic reasons that I don't fully understand. And it's, it's made of um, magnesium, you say? Uh, yeah, because you can harvest, apparently, you can harvest magnesium by sticking a big metal grid in the ocean and then running a current through it. And then after a while, the magnesium accretes onto the me- ma- metal so grid. They're, and they're then you just lift it out, scrape the magnesium off. Oh, right, okay. I thought, you, I thought we were explaining they were going to grow this thing or something. It, yeah, that's, <laughs> This is that's apparently known as the, uh, Wolf Hill, the Wolf Hilbert technique. With the Wolf Hilberts technique, aquatic engineers simply immerse a metal grid in the ocean, apply a small electric current, and minerals floating through the mesh bond will electrochemically be charged, be bonded to the charged metal. All right, so it's that, it's that one shitty experiment you do in high school <laughs> chemistry. I'm probably yeah. There's something magnesium does, um, very readily. <laughs> 
which is... <laughs> <laughs> is it have a good time? <laughs> it will catch fire very violently and sometimes even explode. Um, I assume they're oh, using some that. kind of some kind of magnesium alloy here that would make that less likely. But uh, I don't I don't think I'd want to be here if if it caught on fire. Magnesium also well, reacts violently with water to create that fire, <laughs> right? Which is, which is another potential issue you may have with a magnesium framed floating skyscraper lily pad. Hmm. <laughs> I have to ask, like it's it's color coded on the diagram, so it's red for the city in the sky, green for the plant factory. Is that piss storage in yellow? <laughs> <laughs> piss is stored in the pylons, I think. Is yes. the goes. Mm. Um, no, because um, all natural waste would be hundred percent recycled above the float inside the floating lily pad. So you would you would be totally safe. It'd be very cool. Um, if you're wondering, mm. by the way, how these things, which are meant to float in like lagoons, essentially, they're not mm -hmm. to be, they, I don't think they're even designed to be more than 12 nautical miles. They won't make it into international waters. Like you would just bolt these onto the shore, essentially. Um, but oh, okay. This seems reasonable. Yeah. Uh, but if you're wondering how they're going to be powered, this I also found very amazing. Um, at first, energy will come from wave, wind, ocean, thermal, and solar power. But that will eventually be replaced by the following. Uh, they will generate energy from satellites with a receiver station on the What? Ah, oh. oh, yes, what? microwave power. I love it. Yeah, what? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. by, by 2040, the Japanese Space Agency plans to beam microwave energy from satellites to Tokyo. <laughs> Two giant mirrors in orbit could reflect sunlight onto the solar panels what? in space. These... These would collect power that could be beamed down to antennas in Tokyo Bay, which could convert the microwave energy into DC electricity, about one gigawatt, equivalent to a nuclear reactor plant. Oh, yes. Why not, man? Why not, man? <laughs> this really Do has whatever. the feeling of like a very specific type of keys that you would jingle to catch the attention of the House of Saud. <laughs> well, is there, the, the microwave power thing is actually there's an inter, there's some interesting physics behind it uh it is actually a more practical idea than you might think uh you know up there with fusion power right in that well you you could probably do it but you know someone would have to give a shit enough to do it when we yeah. have oil instead is, is it a is it a more practical idea than a giant magnesium skyscraper in the sea, though? Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. The microwave power plant is probably the most practical part of this design. God, that's fucking depressing. And I mean, if if fuck it, be, build it. You like you you might think right if you build this thing right next to the coastline of say hong kong which is next to a country say like china uh who m might have something to say about you know the rules and regulations going on in such a place because the idea is that these lily pads are designed to be their own civilizations and nation states um <laughs> the reason that they <laughs> just setting up fucking taiwan too yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So naturally, the question arises is like, why wouldn't China essentially invade the lily pad and just take it for itself because it can? 
Because um, they'd be embarrassed the to be associated with it, I, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be very libertarian. I don't know. I'm struggling here. What's the Chinese the, the, for you've broken the social contract? <laughs> <laughs> oh, a Chinese laugh uh, of a bad episode of Stargate Atlantis. No, the, Free, the frantically libertarian... screaming about the NAP as, as I get microwaved to death. <laughs> it's true, you could reposition the microwave satellite to beam the microwave onto the attacking ship, which I don't know if that would work or not. <laughs> you could beam the microwave directly onto the magnesium pillar. The oh yeah, and it just thing. starts just... it just starts sparking and explode, yeah. <laughs> It'd be like a piece of tin foil. <laughs> No, but the, the the real reason you know that it would uh, it would it would all work out and essentially be fine is that uh, the theory goes is that these little city state lily pad things would be so economically successful that all other nation states would essentially be so oh. baffled by how successful they are that they would never invade. You know, yes. like China did. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I love this crazy <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's how Singapore maintains uh, sovereignty, right? Yeah. yeah, that is. Actually, Singapore is specifically cited as an example of a thriving democracy that proves that these things could work. I'm just picturing these guys writing like a guide for how to like survive an attack by a nation state. You know, like those things where they go like, oh, if a bear like attacks you, just play dead. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Um if a but, bear, yeah, if so a bear answer, attacks you, just prove that you have more economic value than it. <laughs> um, but the way the economy would grow this big is that all uh, seasteads and these lily pad things would all be uh, special economic zones where there is no regulation uh -huh. or taxation. No. So basically, you'd create a series of floating Dubais, Shenzhens, and Mar Mauritius, specifically, another no. uh, success story. You're about to say free ports, aren't you? So they're just, yes, um, I am. These are essentially no. floating free ports. <laughs> so they're they're so they're they're coming up with ideas which have been successfully pioneered primarily by communist China then for their libertarian and project. On, and also on land. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, Mauritius, by the way, is a great example, and I'll cite you why they think so. Much to the chagrin of Indian regulators and tax collectors, about 80 to 90 percent of foreign direct investment into India flows through Mauritius via private equity, hedge funds and mutual funds. Uh, this is reported in the report Mauritius, an economic su success story. Mauritius is commanding mm -hmm. better market share by offering better deals. So, <sighs> you know, you wouldn't invade the place with the better deals, now, would you? Yes, I would. Yes, I fucking would. <laughs> I would, and I would make them a vassal state. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is the thing. I don't understand why they why they don't just you know come out and say, "Listen, we're going to put cannons on these things." If they yeah. if we were putting cannons on these things, I would think they were more serious. No, specifically, they say in the Q and A that they will never that the military isn't necessary because it would all just be uh, the free marketplace of ideas. And if you have good contracts, you don't need a military. I, okay. I have I have a free I too would have a idea. crazy town. I have a free market yeah. idea. Which it's called is a fucking privateer navy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is my this is my uh, entry into the marketplace of ideas as I prime the cannon for fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but won't large countries invade? She says China has not invaded Hong Kong. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> Big ol' yet there. Yeah, I, I, something tells me I'm not going to worry about China invading. I'm going to worry about someone funded by the United States. <laughs> but he, United uh, States fruit? But how, no. <laughs> um, but how rebellious can seasteads be in the face of military land-based empires? The Cayman Islands, with no standing army, adopts a spiteful stance towards U.S. and EU regulatory policy, getting rich by welcoming financial ma mavericks and medical outlaws from other nations. Imagining an island, an island nation that imposes no tax whatsoever on all types of gains in income. So Too essentially the answer is they would never be taken over because nobody's ever attacked the Cayman Islands. <laughs> I wonder that's why. That's literally how that works out. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's a very curious question. Uh, and there's one other special thing that is like Dave devoted an entire chapter to because it's not just deregulated finance and, you know, slave pits that would make these arcologies thrive uh the other thing is their health industry uh what if uh, and and hear me out your hospital was also on a cruise ship and it could have the best of top talent and no regulation and also not pay taxes Play the only good the only good way this works it's not even good is that uh some abortion clinics operate in international waters to get around uh local prohibitions on abortion but that's not the same as this. Uh, yeah. No, no, what these guys specifically want to do is they want to do stem cell therapy. They want to do Bioshock, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> once again, uh, you guys are too good at this because Bioshock is another thing that is specifically mentioned in the book. <laughs> Why would you mention Why? <laughs> do you oh. guys, do they remember how it went? Like, not good is how it went. Yes. <laughs> Question. Question, didn't you see the movie Waterworld? Didn't you ever play the game Bioshock? Answer, fiction is meant to entertain, not describe reality. Um, <laughs> Whatever you say, you fucking weirdos. Real seasteading has never been real seasteading has never been tried or even accurately depicted in fiction. <laughs> okay. European fabulous, uh, fabul fabulous published popular fantastical stories about early America that were as wild as Waterworld, as romantic as The Love Boat, and as violent as Bioshock. And those have all been forgotten because the reality always turns out. No, to be I remember Bioshock. I just brought it up. <laughs> I, I, I love that they mentioned The Love Boat there, though. <laughs> definitely a. A very there is definitely a difference in America compared to seasteading, which is America was made of land. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, violent expropriation of said land. Yes. Yeah, well, skipping <laughs> that step with the water, you can't violently expropriate water. No, but the water no, will will talk to Nestle about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, no. the. Uh... The UN Convention on the Laws of the Sea says you can't, and if the document says that's illegal, then you can't do it. Ah, we know I see. that. We do. <laughs> so to speak, yeah. <laughs> anyway, back from the uh, amazing lily pad uh, configurations in the higher ideas of seasteading, back to our three intrepid explorer libertarians. Um, they take charge of the vessel, I can't remember where, somewhere in the Mediterranean. Um, uh, they take charge and immediately have to hire a crew of 40 mainly Ukrainian nationals through a service company called Columbia Cruise Services to cook, engineer, clean, and also captain the boat because none of the three of them know to, how to do any of those things. <laughs> Excellent. Good start. We didn't Good start. Know we didn't know anything about running a cruise liner, Roman told me. So oh, it was shit. like, we didn't, 
So it was like, we didn't want to have to figure all this stuff out. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> and basically, before they set off, uh, and because they're rubes who've just bought a giant boat without knowing what they're getting into, uh, they also forget to, to get new seaworthiness certificates, where it's essentially no country will allow you into their waters if you <laughs> don't have these certificates, uh, which means that instead of sailing straight to Panama, the boat has to be dry docked uh, and fully tested and the hull fully sealed again. Uh, and do repairs on Gibraltar b- before um, the <laughs> before the MS Satoshi Bitcoin cruise liner s- sets out to sunny Panama. Oh, God, don't you just hate the tyranny of the state? It's bad mm. to say. I mean, the first thing these libertarians always do when they start a project like this is like, oh, how do we outsource everything? <laughs> we're we're not going to do <laughs> any work to bring this re- uh, this vision to reality. <laughs> we're more ideas, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the, the, the first step they really take is starting the wiki. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of these guys still runs a um, a annual festival where they do this in minimum, but I think on the Mississippi or something. David, I sent you, and that does have a wiki. Um, it's like oh. everybody can bring their own boat and they can bolt them together on the Mississippi for a few days and have a big libertarian party. Hell yeah, Red Death uh, Yacht Club. Great song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Craig Morgan, so look on, it up. Uh, on October 29, uh, 2019, I think, uh, the MS Satoshi finally set sail to sunny Panama uh, with nobody on board but three libertarians, 40 Ukrainian crew members, and a British sea captain. <laughs> and also twenty five hundred, and also twenty five hundred bottles of whiskey that the uh, carnival cruisers uh, had left on the vessel and had not uh, <laughs> unloaded. Nice. <laughs> That's called arbitrage, and it's genius. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I believe that is legally there as under prize rules. Uh, no, they actually gave it to them. They said, no, we can't be bothered to unload it, so you can have the twenty five hundred bottles of alcohol. Oh, so oh, they were well, dumb enough to try and give it back first. Excellent. Mm. So, <laughs> the ship uh, is now in international waters and it's approaching Panama, but we're not there yet. Uh, and this is where the first problem comes because now libertarians have to act, interact with the actual nation what was state. The, uh, was and the stuff about the boat not being seaworthy not the, the first problem? <laughs> 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 so the initial idea was that they discussed with the Panamanian government was that they would enter Panamanian waters and then deregister as a ship and instead become a floating residence. Apparently, if you're not no longer a ship but a floating residence, you can avoid like a lot of international maritime law also with regards to seaworthiness, I assume. Mm. However, uh, the, this, at this point, the Panamanian government said, no, we don't think that's a good idea. You should remain a, a, a ship. Um, which led to its first major problem, which is if we're still a ship, how do we get rid of our wastewater? Because if you're a floating resident, residence, you can just dump that shit in the harbor where you're staying, essentially, or run a pipe to the shore, along with your internet and your electricity, uh, the poo pipe. Um, yes. So that now the problem of wastewater becomes very real. Uh, the boat itself has very efficient recycling plant, but would still need to sail every 10 or 12 days into international waters to empty the poo tanks. And that really was not <laughs> what the libertarians had in mind. I would absolutely love to see the uh, the forum thread that accompanied this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> boat slowly filling with shit. What do we do? <laughs> 
another sort of real life problem that these guys quickly interacted with remember they're still sailing to panama uh was that literally no insurance company would touch the satoshi with a fucking barge pole naturally <laughs> because if there's a combination of insane and litigious libertarians on board as well as you know the concept of a crypto-based cruise liner <laughs> no insurance company would like have anything remotely uh, to oh do no with. <laughs> <laughs> and naturally none of this stuff had been figured out beforehand before they bought the boat um leading one of the three guys uh, to complain on a blog that the maritime insurance is business is plagued by over regulation <laughs> no you're just a dumbass the problem is just, it's you man yeah <laughs> at panama lost fingers <laughs> so at this point we're not even in panama yet and uh the ship is already taking about a million us dollar a month to run fuel costs staff costs running costs just everything it takes about a million a month to run this ship uh, <laughs> because said Bromont, the only guy who turned up for the interviews, it's huge. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Had not worked. <laughs> we failed. To They'll consider. do that. Actually, we, we failed to consider. Boat is big. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that Donald Trump shit. Like nobody knew this. It's like motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you, you did not know this. <laughs> So, in order to to cut to cut costs, they want to do the something boat, a bit more efficient. The boat being huge, though, is is a plus because then it takes longer to fill with your own piss. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Um, so they want to embark embark on some cost cutting measures to make the whole enterprise a bit more going. Essentially, my and son is also called again. Embark. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Um, I'll, read, I'll read you a few lines directly from the, uh, the amazing article. According to Harris, the, this is the captain, uh, Coke, one of the other libertarians, wanted to try to make the ship more fuel efficient by installing a smaller engine, which he thought he could do while the ship was at what? anchor. We were like, how are you going to cut a hole in the ship's side big enough to get the engine out, which is below the water level, and not sink the ship? The libertarian shook his head. His memories of his of his colleague clearly fond, as if perplexed. I was forever saying, "No, Rudy, you can't do this. No, Rudy, you can't do that." Can't just he go should down have just to... let him do it. Yeah, just go to, go <laughs> down. Yeah, you gotta let people make their own mistakes. Exactly, discovery oh, learning yeah. people. Go down to Bass Pro Shops, pick up some outboard motors. You're good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just you know, By the way, I'd love to replace the the engine on my cruise liner with one I got from like a fucking mini metro or something. <laughs> uh, by the way, the the ship was still covered by a running insurance, but that insurance was only valid as long as it was just like a sailing cruise vessel. Um, but said the, the the three amigos, they didn't want to run a travel company; they wanted to run a Bitcoin travel paradise. Uh, so. <laughs> The insurance they had was not good enough. <laughs> wow, who could have ever seen that coming? <laughs> yeah. Listen, uh, before I get to the end of the amazing story of the MS Satoshi, I wanted to take what you is, through a What does the MS stand for? Uh, um, motor ship. Marine ship, motor I think. Ship. Motor ship. Motor yeah. ship. 
Um, yeah. So I wanted to take you just from a few choice bits from the Q&A session of the C-Stepping book. <laughs> um, some, of you, some of which might have already occurred to you. Question one, what about hurricanes? <laughs> Answer, what about them? Yeah, what about them? <laughs> what are you, a cop? Yeah. <laughs> Look, we had one like last week. We're fine. Well, you you might be, but you could be better because what if you were on sea? Ooh, um, good thousands point. of modern oil rigs are already built to withstand hurricanes. So just live on an oil rig. That's fine and cool and good. Small uh, yeah, mobile what, what if you're on there? What if you're on there like clown boat? Do you just you just <laughs> perish? No. no, there's actually that's the just wake the, just wake up in Oz and fucking deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Small small mobile sea steads should be able to speedily move away from storms <laughs> thanks to the global network of weather satellites. Building town-sized platforms that can withstanding hurricanes remains a naval engineering challenge, but we expect these challenges to be met with the increasing economic incentives to colonize the seas. Larger sea settlements will be designed, like oil rigs, to endure the worst winds and fierce waves. Yep. Making them even safer than normal ships. Your fucking cruise so, ship just speeding away from a hurricane while a guy hangs out the back attaching new cable to the like the internet and the power. <laughs> <laughs> yep, pretty much. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Um, question two: Won't seasteads pollute the oceans? We yes. land dwellers pollute. We land dwellers pollute the oceans because we don't see where our waste goes. Seasteaders won't be able to live in such denial. On a seastead, the ocean is your backyard. Seasteads that produce the tastiest, most contaminant-free seafood in the world will have a market incentive to restore the oceans. You can't, you can't deny like where your waste goes when deck, decks like G, G through H are full of like piss and shit. <laughs> Yeah, but you're forgetting libertarian innovation because, you know, the, the guys that make the, the shrimp uh, uh, seastead, they will buy your shit and feed it to the shrimp. That's, you know, that's how the market yes. works. Yes, our, our busiest uh, our busiest markets are actually located on our seastead's poop deck, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the finest magnesium oxide in 100 nautical miles. <laughs> Also, with the question of uh, other waste, how would how would they deal with it? They would just say um, seasteads would get rid of their trash by barges rather than ships or trucks because They'll that's put it where like or... uh, that's not uh, the, the where is not uh, described. It just uh, says you uh, know, uh, a market will arise. That's convenient. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> well, nothing's yes. ever nothing's ever happened to a garbage barge that was unable to deliver its cargo. That's Notably. never that's, oh. that's never been a, a famous years long incident. They Multiple times. <laughs> They should just build a seastead on that like massive garbage patch in the middle of the Pacific. This is my landfilling seastead. People pay me to dump their trash. <laughs> people Question, ask, how will people ask me how do I make the trash go away so quickly, and I don't tell them. <laughs> I just take their money and wave. <laughs> Question: How will seasteads get food? Answer, we've never lived in a city that grew its own food, yet the food in cities <sighs> is superb. And when we take a cruise, the menu doesn't seem to be all seaweed and fish. Like all island economies, from Aruba to the Isle of Man, seasteads will have to produce <laughs> something unique to trade for the goods of the world. 
So what? A sea stead of serfs? Well, if you if you have like the medical sea stead where you can do stem cell therapy and you know highly illegal mutate mutations, then surely yeah. with the profits from that you can buy uh, cheese or biscuits or something from from shorebound nations. There's no there's no getting away from the shore in a seasteading economy. By the way, like you're just essentially taking license to be a cunt somewhere. Right. So yeah. yeah so it's, it's like, just it's just Elysium, but really lazy. The uh, the civ- <laughs> civilization trading screen, and it's like I receive food, you receive a robot arm and septicemia. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, speaking of trading with other nations, question, wouldn't it be more expensive to live on a seastead because of shipping manufactured goods elsewhere to the seastead? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, Shipping costs are astoundingly low. For 10 cents, you can get a bottle of wine shipped from New Zealand to Europe. And the wine auctioning website WineBid offers one cent shipping from Europe to the United States if you buy six bottles or more. It will not be much more challenging to sustain lines of supply from inland cities than it is to island cities. Ports okay. make all it's, countries it's, rich, and seastead could be all port. Once a seastead can manage a protected harbor for cargo transfer, it will be plugged into the global trade network and distribution system. Over time, <laughs> the cost of living on the seastead will decrease as its population increases. I love to Dust put a three-kilometer wide obstacle in the mm-hmm. middle of a shipping lane. I mean, <laughs> rip to, to the delivery driver on a jet ski that's got to take all this shit out. <laughs> I also love, it's like, how do we get, like, massive quantities of food and potable water and fuck knows what else to these things? It's like, well, you could ship a bottle of wine from Europe to the United States pretty easy. I assume this works the same for everything else all the time. I was yeah. about to say, I'm, brain I'm, genius shit. Not quite seeing how they can get like a forty-foot container onto these uh, seasteads too easily. Don't worry Unless about they're that. Gonna need, they're going to need an army. Don't worry about of, that. They're going to need an <laughs> army of stevedores on the Libertarian ship, who will, of course, immediately unionize because that's what they do. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, no. The an- the answer is the uh, the Brexit cargo railgun. <laughs> <laughs> And there's one other sort of fatal problem that's addressed with maybe like we've introduced some terrifying words, I think, in this um, uh, in this podcast so far. But this this one, I think, really takes the cake. There's, of course, an, an important question which does come up in the uh, sweaty libertarian uh, conference, which is there's a lot of men here. How are the women? <laughs> what about the females? What about oh the females? My God. You do not need to worry about that. <laughs> Which I, lead- lads you do not need to worry about that <laughs> <laughs> which leads essentially to somebody writing a, a paper about why women would flock to seasteads <laughs> uh, which leads to the word she steading no oh my god <laughs> fuck you man oh my god <laughs> i could have sworn i could have sworn i read something a couple years ago about like one of the first seasteading conferences and they decided to correct the uh, the gender imbalance on their seastead ship that they only were going to seastead on for like a day, right? It was just a seasteading cruise. They corrected the gender imbalance by just importing loads of Ukrainian models who were all very <laughs> bored. <laughs> oh. Yeah. 
Um, but no, it's, this would actually occur uh, naturally and logically because... Uh, no, it won't. Steads. No, it fucking won't. <laughs> she stopped seeing it. <laughs> because she steads will be able to uh, deliver more and she better stead, freedom. She said, by the because much like um, the the American frontier in the 19th century, women would have more rights on the seastead than they would ashore, and therefore women would flock to seasteads. Oh fuck off! No, please fuck wrong. Off. No, yeah, come and live on the danger boat. It's technically more free. <laughs> Let me just tell you, this is now. So that's like seasteading and she-steading. Uh, now let's return one final last time to our three uh, intrepid explorers above the MS Satoshi. Um, so even before they hit Panama, they run out of money, um, realize that the vessel has to be sold because they can't get, make a deal with the Panamanian government. Um, and they make a deal with an Indian scrapyard uh, on December 19. So this is about seven weeks after say, they set off from Gibraltar. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> and El- everybody gets their cabin deposits back everybody who put put down the money to to start living above the, the crypto cruise liner <laughs> um just to briefly tell you about the three guys in the end um the libertarian el watowski goes completely off the deep end uh becomes convinced that the corona pandemic is an elite plot uh partly designed by the world government to thwart the existence of the crypto ship and freedom <laughs> <laughs> which is true which is yeah. true. Yeah. You see that. Yes. We, they already had a, a conspiracy to prevent people living on cruise ships. It's called norovirus. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some Legionnaires disease thrown in for good measure. Um, one one other guy, um, the Coke guy, the, the German Bitcoin guy, um, drops out and starts building his own boat in Panama. Oh, the yes. last guy, um, Grant Romand, he of the hairdressing appointment app, uh, this is amazing. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll just read it to you. Um, Grant Romand, a man more driven by practical issues than by the romantic symbolism of his endeavor, realized that though the plan had entirely fallen apart, he was still the massive owner. Uh, he was still the part owner of a massive cruise ship, and decided to spend the last Christmas aboard along with the crew. Master key in hand, he wandered around the Satoshi, making sure to enter every room that said "Do not enter." He toured the engine room and sat on the sun deck. He worked because he can't help working, even on Christmas Day. But he also went on all the water slides alone. (laughs) (laughs) Huge! Like the whole thing is a giant metaphor. (laughs) Huge! Look at me now, Dad. Energy. (laughs) I'd probably also do that. Um, (laughs) New Patreon tier. Yeah. In a in a final. By the way, in a bit of final regulatory irony, uh, the scrapping deal with the Indian scrapyard falls through in the end uh, because India isn't a signatory to, signatory to the Basel Treaty on Hazardous Waste Disposal and is therefore technically not allowed to receive sh- ships uh, with Panamanian registration. Um, but it all worked <laughs> out in the end because a new UK uh, cruise liner brand called Ambassador um, that caters primarily to the 50 plus market ends up buying the Satoshi um, for $12 million. Oh, wow. So, in the end, nice. they just about broke even throughout this adventure. Oh, well, we all have a happy <laughs> ending. Nice. 
Well, that was actually just because when they sold the ship in Bitcoin, the price of Bitcoin increased a huge amount <laughs> during the transaction. <laughs> oh, well, Rob, that was that was a horrible tale with horrible words, and I didn't like any of it. So, thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you. And I yeah. suppose we can we can wrap it up there. So, Liam Ross, um, I'm sorry, and thank you for coming on. <laughs> Thanks for having us, yeah, and go fuck yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think oh. we've learned a pretty valuable lesson in how to profitably flip a cruise ship. <laughs> uh, yeah. WTYP Cruise Lines launching 2022. Yes. WTYP Cruise Lines ending business 2022. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, okay. Is there anything that you want to plug, Buzz? Uh Yes, you should listen to my podcast. It's called Well, There's Your Problem. It's a podcast about engineering disasters with slides. Uh, Liam and I are on it, as is Alice, who is not here. Um, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, that's no, yeah, definitely plug. do 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 listen, do watch, do enjoy. It's yes, good. it's very good. Do, do attend. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. We'll we'll catch you later then, folks. Cheerio. All, right. yeah. all right. Goodbye, gentlemen. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you for being Patreon subscribers and, you know, letting me explore the wild world of seasteading. Yes. 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 <laughs> Look what you fund. Look what you fund and think yeah, about yeah. what you've done. <laughs> <laughs>